angels. Welcome back to Angels Anonymous, the podcast. I'm your host, Vanessa. If you've listened before, thank you so much for coming back. And if you're new here, welcome. I hope that this podcast finds you well and that you get something valuable from it. This podcast is all about me sharing my vulnerable truth, my story, my experiences of recovery from an eating disorder, from substance abuse, from love addiction, and really sharing the rawness of what I've been through in order to free myself from the shame of it all and allow myself to step into my own light. And I hope that I'm an example for you to possibly do the same for yourself. To be honest, I'm very nervous to record this episode. I think it's much needed. And I honestly pictured when I saw myself talking about this kind of stuff, I pictured myself being 40 years old, writing a book like Glennon Doyle did and speaking my truth once I've really cleared the path of it, once I've really gotten to the other side of it. And I feel like I'm there, but I don't know if there will ever be a time when I'm fully ready to talk about this stuff. But something happened today where it just... I felt in my soul that it was time to speak up about it. Originally, I thought that I was going to talk about heartbreak today and how long it lasts and giving yourself grace, knowing that time is not linear and time doesn't really heal. It's been four years since I've gotten out of my long-term relationship and I still feel it like really hard and I have to be really intentional about focusing my energy elsewhere. Like I literally moved to to Greece one summer to get away from him and just tried to create a new life without him. And part of my move to Denver too was because he lives in the same hometown as me. So every time I would go on the lake in the summer, I would be worried that I'm going to see him or it just preoccupied way too much of my headspace. And being in a new location has helped tremendously speed up that healing process. But for years, I didn't feel healed even in the slightest. It took me so long. And those of you who have been through a really heavy heartbreak, you know that even two, three years afterwards, sometimes it can feel like yesterday. Other times you'll look back and be like, oh, it's been a day, a month, or however long since I thought about him. But what's really interesting is I started off my day this morning waking up from a dream that I had about him. And these don't happen as frequently as they used to, but they still do. Some of them are comforting where we're like hugging each other and forgiving each other. And I feel really seen and loved and forgiven. And other times I'm like pissed that he has a new girlfriend or other times I feel feel really shameful about the things that happened and I don't feel seen or understood or heard and there's just like this mistranslation that I felt in the relationship while it was actually happening I felt so unseen so just misunderstood and like no matter how I tried to express my feelings I couldn't get it through to him so yeah I woke up to a dream about that I honestly felt really funky when I first woke up it feels like the pain is right now it feels like I'm going through it right now. That ache is so real and it's scary to feel it after I've been not feeling it for so long.
song. So I played a song and I danced it off and I had a phone interview with this remote health coaching job this morning. And so I really had to shift my state from that pain and shame of the past into right now and getting excited and being optimistic about my future and focusing on my life. So I did a little danced and kind of faked it till I made it to shake it off. The interview went well. And then I go on my TikTok after this interview and I see a comment that says, okay, let me set the stage. So my TikTok caption says, calling all the women that went through a traumatic long-term relationship in their early teens and 20s and now suffer with addiction to love, weed, self-sabotage, and unworthiness. And that TikTok is one of a couple that blew up and it has over 2 million views on it. So clearly a lot of women relate to that and feel seen and validated in that description of what I've gone through. So the comment on that video says, kind of like when you cheated on your high school boyfriend in a state fair porta potty, who caused the real trauma? And I obviously can't see who it is. It's like X, Y, X, Y in a bunch of numbers. So I have no idea who it is. And then the other video, this is kind of a savage one, but I just, I don't know. I make humor out of it because secretly deep down, I kind of do want my ex to see my stuff. I have him blocked on everything, but like I kind of hope that he's either like making a fake account to creep on me or watching through his friend's stuff. Like, I don't know. I think it's just that deep wound of wanting to feel seen and not having closure. And I'll talk more about that in a, in a while about why I don't feel like I have closure and what, what I think closure even really is. But if you've seen Euphoria, which I'm going to bring up how my life is super similar to Cassie. I felt like her role was literally me. So it's very fitting how this sound that I used in my TikTok is from Euphoria. And it's the audio where Maddie's like, is this play about us? Cassie's sister made a play called Our Story and it's about their entire life and she basically exposes all of the shit. So my caption on this video is my ex-boyfriend when he sees all the TikToks, Instagram posts, YouTube videos, and podcasts I've talked about him in. And the caption's even more savage. I don't know why I felt the need to do that. Sometimes I'm just feeling fiery, but it said, watch out, B. The truth just might set me free and imprison you in the process. Oh, wait, he's blocked on everything. So that was a little too far, but... You know, B could be babe, it could be anything, so whatever. The other comment says on that video, I hope you aren't talking about the guy you cheated on multiple times. I literally had to do a gratitude meditation because I had to remind myself that I'm grateful for the darkness. I'm grateful for the shame of my story. I'm grateful for the trolls who bring up this feeling in me because each time this happens, I learn how to work through it more and more. And it's like a spiral upwards where I keep occurring the same feeling of hate or fear of feeling judged or shame. And every time I go through it, I get stronger and I see the lesson in it. I responded back to the comments and said, hiding behind a screen must feel good. And then I ended up blocking them because there's a million things I could say, but I don't want to defend myself. And I've learned that sometimes the best reaction is no reaction because then you leave the troll wondering, like, did they even see my comment? Like, I think silence is a bigger or stronger answer than anything that you could respond to. I could have come up with a million things to say, but I feel like it's time for me to share this story because it's 
number one, so scary to me and probably the biggest weight of shame that I still feel. I've talked about my eating disorder recovery. I've talked about my weed addiction because it makes me feel free from the shame of hiding it. That weight of shame is heavier than any weight that I could carry. So I thought originally I was going to talk about heartbreak and how to deal with dreams this long after you're recovering or healing from a relationship but really I'm going to expose myself and share my story like I said I thought it would be like deep in between the pages of a book somewhere someday just telling my raw truth but I'm going to start it here and now I think the only way that I can really take power over the situation is by sharing my story the way that it went in my head and I'm sure the other parties involved have a vastly different feeling or experience of how this all went down and I might even hurt some people in the process of sharing this but you know I have to be my own best friend and my own best healer right now and that for me is sharing this story because the fear of getting more comments like this and not taking initiative to really tell my side of it and my truth and get it all out there. It's scary to be posting on TikTok and doing all these things, showing up as kind of a public figure, obviously not like not like that, but just showing up in a bigger, more open and vulnerable way that invites people in to hate on you. And my mom reminded me like, even if you talked about how much you love peanut butter jelly toast, someone could troll your page and be like, peanut butter is the worst ingredient for you. Do you know how that's resourced? You know what I mean? No matter what you say, you can't please everyone. And one of the things that's allowed me the courage to keep talking and keep sharing my truth is because I know that if I don't have haters, I'm not doing something right. And I'm working to break free from this people pleaser coat that I've been wearing for so long I'm trying to take it off and realize that I'm not here to please everyone not everyone's going to like me and the more that I speak my raw truth the more I'm going to attract the soul family that I want to be surrounded by and the more I'm also going to attract people who completely disagree with what I'm saying and will do anything to try and knock me down there will be people out there when you step into your light that don't want you to succeed and that send you a this negative energy it's I don't know it's just scary you can kind of feel the weight of it you just feel like there's people in the shadows really shitting on what you're doing no matter how good of intentions you have so you just have to keep moving forward knowing that you have pure intentions and a heart of gold and you're centered in it for the right reasons that's all you can really do to end the whole topic of why it's so scary to speak your truth or why most of us stay quiet is because there's so much fear about saying something that's not pc or i'm scared of spiritually bypassing things with the type of advice that i give or just inspiring talk i guess i'm scared that i'm invalidating people's experiences or the pain or the depth of what someone's gone through. And as much as I talk about high vibes and positivity, it's not like you can take a rainbow slide down to the pot of gold without going through the storm. And as much as I talk about manifesting and abundance in another episode, I really went into that and I listened to it after and I'm like, oh God, this probably isn't good for someone who's really in the thick of what they're going through and who might be struggling with anxiety or depression. Like that's not what you need to hear in that space. But also I feel like what I had to say 
has its point and certain people do need to hear it and it came through for a reason. So I'm just going to keep going with it and keep posting it. And if I end up getting canceled or saying something super fucked up, I'm going to own it and I'm going to talk about it in another episode and I'm going to be better and I'm going to continue showing up. Someone who's been a huge role model for me in this is Glennon Doyle. Reading her book, Untamed, was probably the first time that I felt like it would be safe for me to speak my truth in the way that she did. She has messed up no matter how self-aware she is, no matter how into activism she is, she still says things wrong and people call her out for it. There's so many haters out there and I just think she's the most amazing human in the world and if the haters ended up quieting her, I would be devastated. So many of us get so much fuel and fulfillment from her words and from her podcast and books. It just goes to show if you've ever struggled with having haters or your fear of not being liked or being hated on is holding you back from speaking, just remember that when you no longer stay quiet, when you no longer play safe and choose to be vanilla, when you choose to be super flavorful in your own unique, authentic expression of yourself, there's going to be backlash. There's going to be people who feel uncomfortable because they're so deep in their shadows. It's almost like when you cast out the light, then it creates even bigger shadows and illuminates the shadows that people aren't looking at within themselves. And that's why there's haters. That's why people feel so uncomfortable and feel the need to attack you from behind a screen anonymously because they're so deeply in the pain and shame of their own decisions. So I just have to remind myself that the ones who are hating aren't looking at their own shit. I'm over here owning my own shit as much as possible and the haters don't impact you when you own your story. Like when you free yourself from the shame and take that weight off, these people don't have control over you anymore. So that's why I'm talking about this and I'm going to go in depth with my story and the truth behind these comments on the TikTok because I'm sure the more that I talk about heartbreak, my substance abuse and all that stuff, there's going to be trolls like this that try to expose my deepest, darkest secrets that I've never actually admitted to my friends that I went to high school with and I never actually talked about publicly. Like, this is the one area of my life that I've been hiding. So here I go. Um, Where do I even start? Okay, well, I guess I'll just give you a brief backstory. Oh, my alarm is going off (laughs) for a prayer All right, I'll say the prayer for us. Ready? Take a breath in and breathe out. The prayer that I say every single day is, I choose to be aligned with the vibrational frequency of truth for the highest good of humanity as a whole. And I ask for the alignment, assistance, and protection of my ancestors across all time, dimension, space, and reality. That prayer is kind of a scary one to pray because when you pray for truth, it's not praying for what you want. And sometimes I even like to pray for miracles instead because miracles just seem like more exciting and uplifting. But truth, 
truth can be raw. And when people feel like God is not with them or God is abandoning them or not answering their prayers, it's like, no, God, the universe is. It's just not what we want. And I was saying that prayer a couple weeks before I got fired, before I had to end it with the guy I was dating, all that kind of stuff. So it really did bring the vibration of truth into my life. So I keep saying it because even if it's the stuff I don't like, it's what I need if that makes sense. Medicine is sometimes not what we like, but it's what we need. Truth is my medicine. Okay, anyways, all of you probably know by now, I dated a guy from sophomore year of high school to sophomore year of college off and on. It was love addiction from the start. There was love bombing involved, and I didn't even know what that was. We said I love you within the first couple weeks, and we hung out every single day after the first day we met, and it was just like this platonic, cosmic, I don't even know. It was insane. I remember texting my dad the first night that he came over and I texted him and said, I'm in love with this guy. There was basically no going back. Two-ish weeks, two to three weeks into this thing that was going on, my friends and I started dabbling with alcohol. Oh, wait. No, this was my junior year. Okay, so I dated from my junior year of high school to my sophomore year of college. Beginning of my junior year is when a lot of my friends and I started dabbling with alcohol for the first time, and my ex hated alcohol. He had his own experience with why he was not a fan. He had never drank. He was like super innocent, goody two-shoes guy. So a couple weeks into us talking and thinking whatever, I call him up and I'm like, come over, whatever. I was drunk with my friends at my house. We snuck in a bottle of raspberry Svedka from who knows where. And I'm pretty sure this was my first time drinking or like one of my first couple. And he was not happy. He told me that He was going to ask me to be his girlfriend and now he wasn't going to or now he wasn't sure because of this decision I made. And I basically had an ultimatum right from the start of this relationship. Either I don't drink again and we can date or I keep drinking and he's going to be done. And (laughs) I secretly knew deep down in my heart that I was going to drink again, but I wanted to be with him so bad that I just told him I wasn't going to drink again. Well, guess what? I did. I drank a few more times and we went on a spring break trip together and I finally admitted to him I drank three more times or whatever it was and that trip was a nightmare. We fought the whole time. My parents literally bought us mood rings. We were so moody and we honestly fought from the very beginning of that relationship. I felt like I couldn't do anything right and no matter how hard I tried to prove to him that I was loyal and he could trust me and I did what he said. I I unfriended all the guys that I knew needed to on Snapchat. I followed his rules, basically. It wasn't good enough, no matter what. He didn't trust me. He had really deep insecurity and like trust issues that had nothing to do with me, really. I was being as loyal as possible. And like, no matter what, if there was a friend hangout at one of my girlfriend's house and they invited guys over that was just like our group of guy friends, I would get in trouble for it. I would end up in the bathroom crying on the phone with him, trying to talk him off of the ledge saying, there's nothing you need to worry about. It's just guy friends. This taught me that if I'm in a relationship, I can't have guy friends. And I'm still trying to rewire my brain to understand how that's even possible, how you can maintain friendships with guys and also have a trusting and loyal and sturdy relationship. It just, 
it really fucked up my conception of what was healthy and what was not in a relationship. I thought cheating was literally like death. I thought if I was friends on Snapchat with a guy, like that was basically cheating. So because I had all of these rules that he created for me and I chose to follow them, then I started to bite back and be like, well, you can't have any girls on Snapchat. And it just started this really really toxic dynamic of control and manipulation and jealousy and lack of trust. And I remember my mom sat him down a couple different times, she told me when I wasn't there, and told him that if you don't stop this control and this fear-based thinking, she's going to cheat on you. Like, what you're afraid of happening is going to happen. And fast forward eight months later, it happened. We were so far apart emotionally. We were so mad at each other at this point. It was love-hate. And I cheated on him. And I was drunk. The next day, I told him, but I didn't tell him that I had sex with another guy. And him and I were each other's firsts. So this was my number two. Like, this was a big fucking deal. And I told him that I cheated, but I didn't tell him I had sex. And eventually I did tell him I had sex. (laughs) At least I think I did. I forced him to stay at my house. Like he came over when this all happened and I forced him to stay at my house to be with me. I was so scared he was going to leave. I didn't want him to leave. I finally fell asleep. Remember, I'm, I'm drunk as hell. I finally fell asleep and woke up the next morning and he wasn't there anymore. And that was really scary. And I don't remember exactly how this all went down, but eventually we started talking again. I think at this point, I didn't even want him back. Even after I cheated, I didn't even want to earn his love back because I was so mad and rebellious towards him for all the rules and restrictions that he put on me that... I started talking to these other guys from Lakeville and I was like, hell yeah, this is fun. This is great. A bunch of other things happened in the process that brought us back together. So I ended up trying to work it out with him again, but nothing was ever the same after I cheated. It was like he had the power. He was dangling that over my head. And no matter what I tried to do, I couldn't earn his love or trust back. Like it was broken. It was a done deal. And also he felt like he needed to have sex with someone else because I did, which is fair and valid. That got drug out for a few months and he didn't hook up with anyone until like October and that happened in July or August. So that was really hard for me feeling like I was going to earn his love back, like we were going to get back together. And then he ended up hooking up with someone else. And that was so devastating to me. Like I... I'm literally going to cry just thinking about it because I remember where I was at that point in my life and how heavy the heartache was. I felt like I couldn't live without him. And then the shame of wondering what the fuck is so wrong with me that I would have to cheat on someone I love so much. And then his input and his manipulation of making it feel like it was all my fault and questioning me, I was questioning myself on every level. It was so literally the hardest thing I've ever gone through, but it gets worse. In between when I cheated the first time and when he ended up cheating back on me, I had sex again with number three, which is a different guy. We were at the state fair and I was drunk again and this guy was like my high school best friend slash boyfriend off and on, but we just like never ended up working out. I don't know. I would always chicken out and like not want to be in a relationship with him. So 
we were at the state fair together and we went off together secretly and went in this like public bathroom. Like, okay, I'm not going to justify the fact that this is literally the trashiest thing ever, but it wasn't a fucking porta potty. Like the comment said, it was like one of those concrete bathrooms where you can like open the door. It's a whole room, whatever. But I still have flashbacks from that happening. And that is like, it's horrifying. And this is again, like this is the whispers of my intuition, my guidance telling me like substance is not meant to be a part of your life. I don't care what anyone else thinks. When you are drunk, you are not you. You cannot make the decisions that you would normally make sober. You literally, to dive into the spirituality of this, alcohol means ghoul in another language. So when you're intoxicated, there are dark spirits. That's why they call alcohol spirits. There are spirits that take over your body. And when you're blacked out, it basically means like lights are off. No one's home. Your soul is not in control anymore. And I remember my ex always said that whatever decisions you make when you're drinking, that's you when you're sober, like drunk words, sober thoughts. That is so not true. Okay. Maybe in my own defense, I had sex with this guy in the state fair bathroom And him and I were in the process of trying to mend things. I was trying to earn his trust back and fucked it all up all over again. I don't even know if I told him the truth about this happening. So he had sex with someone else in October-ish. And then I tried to earn his trust back that whole rest of the year. And I didn't even care. I was so hurt, but I just still knew I was the first one to fuck up. So I need to earn his trust back. He deserves to do this. Like, I deserve this. Fast forward to spring break. I don't even know if we were officially dating again at all during that period of time, but as you can imagine how rocky it was, like it's not like, oh, okay, I cheated, he cheated back on me, the issues are resolved, now we're all happily ever after. No, we were toxic and fighting all the time before I cheated, so imagine how much worse this was afterwards. My friends in high school all started to distance themselves from me. They just wondered why the fuck I kept going back and I couldn't explain it. It's literally like a drug. Senior spring break rolls around and this is the part where I'm literally Cassie in Euphoria, if you've seen it. I've never actually admitted to anyone that this happened, so this could really like fuck some shit up in the process, but I feel like I have to say it. I never told my ex about this either, the truth of it. Oh, God. I went to Mexico for my spring break trip senior year, and there was like 40 of us that went, and I was rooming with my best friend and both of our moms, and my best friend was dating the guy that I had sex with in the porta potty And, um... We were all drunk on the beach one day. I think this was day one or two of the trip. And a bunch of us were in the ocean together. Oh, first of all, the first day that I was there, all of us were swimming. We got drunk. All of a sudden, I noticed I was in the ocean just with one other guy, different guy, but we were just friends swimming. And we got caught in the like red tide zone or like the danger zone, got pulled out super far and the rescue jet skis had to end up coming to get us. And I tipped the jet ski over when I got on it. We were like far out there. And some parents from my hometown were like, 
oh my gosh, to my mom, they're like, someone is like out there in the ocean from, I think they knew it was from our group, but they're like, someone's out there and and they just had to get the jet ski to like help them. And my mom's like, oh my gosh, let's go see. So they go to the beach and she finds out it's me. And she's like, really? My daughter on day one of this trip? Great. So yeah, (laughs) that was me. And I usually wasn't that girl, but apparently I was this trip. I don't know. So I think that day or the following day, not even sure. I black out a lot of my memories of what happened both on this trip and just in my past in general because it's so painful that I like literally don't even remember. But me and the guy that the girl I was rooming with, my best friend, ran off and had sex in some random hotel like bathroom or something. At the time, I was still talking with my ex. We weren't officially together. So this is why it reminds me of euphoria so much is because Cassie's justifying like, you guys weren't even together. And even though the story is a little bit twisted, my best friend was dating this guy at the time. I was kind of with my ex but not really. Like we were talking, we were FaceTiming, we were, he didn't trust me on this trip at all, but I tried to reassure him that everything, that everything was fine. And I would FaceTime him and keep up to date with what we were doing and let him know. And then I had sex with the guy. People started to find out within that night, the next day, the rest of the trip, it started becoming this dark whisper that got through the entire group and I was terrified that my best friend was going to find out I was terrified my mom was going to find out so you can imagine not to put like not oh poor Vanessa but you can imagine the amount of fear and like paralyzation I was feeling just so scared that at any moment everyone was going to find out or that it was going to be blurted out somewhere so I think I made it home from that trip without anything getting completely blown up but once we got home the whole school freaking knew the whole school and I told myself number one I was so scared to lose my ex that I told myself I'm never going to admit this. This is something I'm going to go to my grave for. Him and I are going to end up married. We're going to have kids. We're going to be together. And this is just something I never need to admit. I can't. I can't risk losing him. I've already done too much damage. I didn't admit verbally. I didn't say to any one person that it was true. And so it was their word against mine. And for the rest of that year, I was completely outcasted by all my friends. Or I mean, I did that to myself too. I just completely separated myself from the friend group because everyone knew, but I wouldn't admit it. So I lost most of my friends, felt like the outsider. Meanwhile, all of that's happening at school. I'm still trying to earn my ex's trust and be like, it didn't happen. I don't even know how I came back from that one, but I'm sure he knows that it happened. I just never fully admitted it. So I followed him to college my freshman year, fall semester. That was absolutely horrible. We had distance our senior year of high school. He was in an other state playing a sport and I was in Minnesota so we thought oh distance is gonna solve the problem I'll follow you to college and he couldn't even tell me like I want you to come to college with me he was just like I want you to do what you want to do he felt like he couldn't make that decision for me so I was devastated the fact that I made this decision to follow him without him even being like I really want you to come. Like, he couldn't even tell me that. A semester goes by. It was absolutely horrible. I continued to do very sketchy things, hooking up with people, hiding behind his back, wanting to be with him, but wanting attention from other people because the relationship was so 
unfulfilling and damaging, but I couldn't get myself to leave either. I don't know. It's so fucked up and twisted and beyond anything that I can really explain. I can't (laughs) explain what was going on in my head. I was so unwell that I just, I don't know. It literally feels like a different lifetime and a different person. I feel like I'm so driven to be the brightest light that I can and to speak my truth because who I was in that relationship and what I went through and what I did, the actions that I took are so far from how I want to be perceived and from who I know myself to be and that relationship made me feel like such a shitty person and I know I'm not and we all make mistakes and we're all imperfectly perfect anyone who's a hater they're just not owning their shit and honestly cheating on him allowed me to have compassion for anyone who cheats because I understand what it felt like to be in those shoes to love someone so much and yet have infidelity. Like, I get it. I feel like the cheater is always pinned as the person to blame, but it takes two to tango in anything. If someone's cheating, there's either just a chronic issue inside of them that came from childhood or upbringing, or it's some sort of issue in the dynamic of the relationship and one person isn't being fulfilled and that doesn't mean that cheating is right but it just means that you and that person probably aren't right for each other and also as I've grown up I've learned about the rigidity of monogamy and how black and white it is how there's actually different varying degrees of cheating if you are intimate with someone else sometimes in relationships people are totally okay with it that's an open relationship and there's just so much gray within loyalty and relationships and I'm not saying like I don't even know how I feel I think I'm definitely still someone who will be monogamous I just can't imagine like having an open relationship but imagine having that much trust and openness and security within someone that you can actually handle both you being intimate with someone else and them being intimate with someone else too like that's Honestly, that's kind of cool to me. Like, that's breaking the rules of what we've known to be normal and what we know to be right and wrong, good or bad. Cheating, I feel like, is looked at as a sin, and it definitely was when I was going through all of that. There couldn't be a bigger sin. I felt like I was, I felt like I was walking around with shame or like something horrible written on my forehead because. I just felt like everyone knew. I felt horrible about myself. I couldn't forgive myself. I'm still working to forgive myself. I guess to bring it back around to getting closure, I never really feel like he forgave me. And I know that he hung on to the truth of what happened to him, of me cheating and him loving me so much and me breaking his his heart because that makes him feel safe in his narrative of what happened. And that allows him to not have to look at his side of things and take ownership for it. I never really got forgiveness from him and I never felt like he moved past it, which I don't blame him, but I had to give myself closure. Closure is not something that happens with two people. Closure is a mindset and a decision that you make for yourself. No one else can give you closure. Only you can give yourself that. It's taken phases and chapters of my life and different doors being closed to really give myself that closure. I still don't fully have it. There's still questions I have. There's still conversations I want to be had with him, but I like literally will think about him all day every day if I leave his number unblocked and have him unblocked on social media so for my own headspace and growth and just like where I need to be 
I have to completely close that door. And I'll admit too, like even after all this stuff happened and we tried dating the last time, it ended horribly. And I I don't even have the energy to talk about that, but you get the picture of how fucking toxic it was and just like, why did we keep going back? But so I know so many of you listening are going to relate to this, maybe not in the same exact way, but going back to relationships or things that don't serve you, I know you can relate. But even like, I think it was the beginning of COVID, I sent him a text and poured my heart out and said, you know, you've never really shut this door. You've always kind of left me on a leash saying there's hope for some day or maybe in the future. Do you really think that that's true or do I need to fully move on? And I just really let it all out to him about how much I love him, how much I miss him, how much I'm really not doing okay as much as I pretend like I am on social media or act like I haven't thought about him. There might be months that go by where I didn't think about him and that was usually when I had another boyfriend but it would always creep back in and I would have dreams about him and I would think about him all the time and the pain would come back and he told me that I needed to move on and that was never something he had said flat out to me before I always thought there was like a little bit of a question mark and so that reality that truth was really hard to swallow but so necessary for my own healing and just closing that door and I believe that sometimes God closes doors that we're not strong enough to close and things don't make sense. Like I literally can't fathom how he's never came back and been like, hey, I want to be with you. Like I fucked up. I'm sorry. I forgive you. Like after all that I've done to try and show the truth of who I am on social media too, and just really tried to become a more mindful and I don't know, just embody like beauty and kindness and compassion. I thought that like he would see my light, but people have their own perspectives and their own narratives of who you are, depending on the role that you played in their life. And sometimes they have to hold on to other versions of you to keep them safe and like keep them in the narrative or in who they know themselves to be, because it's too scary to look at both parts. It's really scary to look at your shame and the and the role that you played in things and own it, it's really hard, but I've had to do it for myself to set myself free. And I'm really grateful for all of these experiences because this entire relationship is what brought me to yoga. This entire relationship was what really pushed me into my addiction with weed and taught me about addiction, taught me how to be compassionate. Like I said, for people who cheat, for people who go through substance abuse, like now I understand the depth of so many things in this world that I would have never understood had I not gone through this heartbreak, through this relationship. And I've learned so much about myself and I'm so glad that I've been able to turn my pain into my passion, turn the darkness into light and use it for good and share my story to help validate other people's experiences and just really free myself from it, like I said, because it could go the other way and you could try to keep it as your best kept secret. That will literally kill you from the inside out. The body keeps score. The body knows what you've been through. And if you keep that inside, if you don't talk it out through therapy or find some sort of movement to process it or if you don't free yourself from that story and you keep it inside you're going to either get physically sick or shit in your life is just going to keep happening that doesn't make sense life will get really dark and your physical body will feel it if you do not set that shame or that heaviness of your story whatever happened to you If you don't set it free, it's going to eat you alive. And even though I've done a lot to set parts of my story free, this is one that still eats me alive and (sighs) haunts me. 
and I'm so terrified of the trolls and the haters just exposing me for something that I didn't even think people still thought about or I don't know turning something that I said into something completely different that wasn't my intention like that shit happens when you start to speak your truth so I just I don't know. I felt like it was time to tell this story and I'm terrified to find out who's going to listen. I'm sure I'll never know exactly who does listen. I sure hope it's not the parties involved, but I'm sure it'll probably get around to them and I hope that it doesn't cause too much harm to any one person. But this is about me and my healing and my story and as selfish as that is, it's also for the community that I'm building and um Like I said, Glennon Doyle sharing her book. I can't even imagine how much turmoil and turbulence that caused in the process of her sharing her truth. And I have another really good friend who just wrote a book about her savage truth. And some of the things I read in there, I was like, oh my God, how courageous of her to speak that into existence and like write it down for the whole world to see whoever picks up this book. It's her full story all shame, all trauma, all mistakes involved. And this is just one of mine. So damn, I mean, regardless of how you speak it, whether it's in a book or a podcast, if you've ever shared any of your shame or the darkness of your story, (laughs) props to you because this is so scary. But I think the only thing that's even scarier than actually speaking your truth is something like what happened to me today, the trolling comments that expose your secret. And once you tell your secret, it's no longer a secret. And those trolls don't have any power over you. Whoa. Oh, God. I don't know about this one. (laughs) If you listened, I love you. If you're mad at me because of anything that I said, I still love you and... I'm sorry if I affected anyone negatively in this process, but it was necessary for me. And uh, that's really all I got for today. (laughs) I'm kind of scared to ask for a review about this one, but (laughs) if you liked it, give me a review. Follow me on Instagram at Vanessa Persephone at Angels Anonymous with an underscore in between the angels and after Anonymous. Follow me on YouTube, TikTok, Vanessa Persephone all the things. You can email me if you want to collaborate or send me a DM if you have anything to share. And if you want to join my group where we will probably talk about deep stories like this and expose ourselves for the truth of who we are. Um, If you feel like you want to be a part of something that deep and raw and vulnerable and connect with other women, you can find the link in the show notes or in my bio on social media to sign up for my virtual community. We meet every Thursday at 5 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. It's a 40-minute call where we ground together, take some breaths. I might guide us through a minute meditation or a little dance or something, and then we'll dive into a topic either that's suggested by someone in the group or that is really present on my heart that I feel like we need to talk about. You'll have space to share yours story and listen just build a sisterhood that you've probably never had before something that's so much deeper than a high school friend group or your family it's literally soul fam and like-minded women who understand and have gone through shit like this just like you and will validate the fact that you're not broken you're not a monster you're not evil you're human it's safe to share your story it's safe to free yourself from the shame thanks again for listening and i'll see you in the next episode bye angels (laughs) 